welcome back to a new year of not just any book club um we're gonna take you on down to london oh wait not really it's just grimdark fantasy that was good um that was yeah that's that's just what i've always imagined uh when when people mention like grimdark fantasy i'm always like london it's raining there's a guy with this really thick weird british accent like not the like common british accent but like a really gruff one and uh that that's what i've always got in my head about grimdark and i i you know the most famous grimdark series which is game of thrones uh, song of ice and fire will, will would beg to differ on that description but, yeah. but that that's what i think about every time <laughs> yeah that's what brexit was all about man <laughs> yeah uh all right political humor yep yep humor about okay. british people uh but welcome back never get told from our from our usual December hiatus, December break, um, yeah. we, we didn't have that little special show that we usually like to have during yeah. January because we couldn't think of anything, and or we, we didn't want to play Dark Souls and talk about the lore. Because what are we gonna talk about? So yeah, January uh, is the special anyways, month for the rest. Yeah, we're skipping straight to the books, straight to the book club. Uh, my name is Pierce. For those of you joining us in the new year. And I read The Lies of Lamora by Scott Lynch. Oh, and I'm Justin. And I read Prince of Thorns, the first book in the Broken Empire trilogy by Mark Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence. But mine is like, it's called the, the Gentleman Bastard Sequence mm. or something, is what he calls it in the, in the book. Um, I think it's i know it's part of a series definitely yeah there's multiple books um i think i saw that there were four but i've always kind of considered it like three okay. <laughs> based off of the stuff that i've seen about it it looks like he has a lot of books planned though i'm not gonna lie i just pulled up the goodreads so so maybe he's it's gone from a trilogy into like many i don't know but regardless um series yeah, so what is Grimdark Fantasy? Um, it's, a, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's yeah. fantasy, but taken to its logical extreme where everyone's miserable all the time. It's and not it's, a good time for anybody. Yeah, it's very dark. It's, uh, you know, like, like I said, I always imagine like a... Like a dingy like kind of london like city steampunk ish but before that it's like <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like the steampunk world before they invented like steam power so like they don't have anything yeah. yet it's kind of like dingy and not very nice dirty yeah yeah um escapism but it can also in a song of ice and fire which neither of us read anything from that series um can extend to a whole world um it doesn't have to just be you know one city or like a small area which is usually what i think about when i think of grimdark though i'm not very versed in it um but yeah it it can it can be anything and it's it's just going for more of like a a feeling across the world yeah Uh, and and it's usually like lower fantasy like less lower magic, magic like yeah that's what i mean lower fantasy like less magic 
um not really a focus on like fantasy races or anything just you know it's a fantasy world it's kind of medieval and there's a little bit of magic not much a little bit bit of magic a couple mystical creatures around but not much it's it's a special thing when you see it or read it in the book but yeah and this is where like horror usually kind of infuses with the genre because um if you if you're gonna go dark with fantasy, you may as well infuse a little bit of horror, maybe some eldritch horror, horror, maybe some magical horror. So yeah, this genre fantasy is very flexible to um doing all this stuff. And here's the thing about grim dark fantasy, um, just because it's dark and edgy does not make it more realistic. Which people love for that to equate edginess with realism. You know, maybe the world isn't like that all the time. Maybe we, this is just a commentary on the world. I don't know, but like. Just because it's dark and like you know people actually die of just yeah. like some horrific things doesn't make it more realistic that's my big pet peeve because people are saying like i can't even go back to harry potter or lord of the rings but well okay maybe <laughs> i was gonna say game of thrones kind of spoiled them for it that's not the case no one has ever said that but like people were like i like fantasy like game of thrones or song of ice and fire because it's so dark and edgy because it's so real i i think the thing is with that is that Perhaps some grimdark, you know, fantasy can be more realistic than like high fantasy, for mm-hmm. instance. But it's not really the things that make grimdark fantasy grimdark fantasy that like like there are other types of fantasy that are low magic, like just mostly humans, all that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just grimdark, and and there's like a certain. It's hard to describe. There's a certain feeling or emotion or or kind of world that's like inherent to grimdark fantasy. And those aspects of it sometimes can make it a little bit more realistic, but it's really the other things about it being like not very much magic, very few mystical creatures that make it like more realistic. And that, you know, I don't know. To me, to me, I, I kind of agree. It's not really like grimdark is so special in that way um it's just another another flavor yeah so that's what i'm thinking um yeah and if if we want to talk about books if we're gonna dive right in because we know we gave our little prelude to a Mm -hmm. introduction as to what grim dark dark fantasy is um this one kind of takes the cream of the crop of like what is dark because the opening scene i don't want to describe it but um it so basically, it's about this guy named Jorg, or Jorg, as I pronounce it in my head. Um, he's a 13-year-old kid uh, who is like this leader of like a group of really bad thieves and villains. And um, it opens up with him massacring an entire village, leaving no stone unturned, killing every woman and child and defiling them in like ways that he likes to describe in detail and with pride. Which, the thing is, okay, I'm going to criticize... Also, one of my pet peeves in writing. I think I'll kind of, you know, splice this up with um, my pet peeves in writing. But uh, first person is often used as a crutch to um, not give any breath to any other characters. Because this book is very dark and grim, as I kind of described in my intro. Because Jorg, he's a very bad person. He enjoys killing people. He enjoys torturing people for fun. And a lot of the people around him, his friends, like to do the same. And there's not much consequence for it. It's... Again, kind of a bold choice to make this your protagonist, uh, who does absolutely nothing heroic whatsoever. Um, he's sadistic, and he just likes to torture 
people. And it, there, there are times where it does kind of quote unquote justify, not saying that I'm justifying it, but the story justifies it by saying that these people were worse than them and they kind of deserved it. But at the same time, not really, because two wrongs don't make a right. Um, but the thing that kind of surprised me most with this book was just like how far it goes with how brutal it likes to be and does not let up at all because it goes from if we're starting out at 100 it goes to like 200 in terms of just how dark and gritty it likes to be um but i don't sometimes it does go a little bit too far with it because like i don't know one of my pet peeves like one of the cliches i hate the most is like the villain who kills his own henchman which dorg likes to do because he likes to do it for fun and set an example because like that's not going to sow a rebellion against the leader um but um I, I can tell that the story is trying not to justify or glorify it and try not to make him seem like this cool, edgy anti-hero because we, we we've seen stories where like, you know, the guy is just like this gruff and mean and like the story wants to root for him. And sometimes that could be misinterpreted, like the Punisher, because you know, people like the Punisher for the wrong reasons. But it it, it does go out of its way to justify not justify, kind of say that this is wrong. But um I don't know. I, because this book is written first person, um, it the characters are just not given the side characters at least the the secondary and tertiary characters they're not given much depth because one George is a self centered person so he really is more concerned about himself and his philosophy of being a terrible person and his quest for vengeance against his slain family um, rather than like giving any depth to any of these other characters they they're given like justice to be in the plot but aside from that they're just not given much personality that differentiates them except from the fact that they love to torture people and love to kill people and the good guys from the bad guys perspective they the hero villains i guess um they're kind of good because like you you don't know much about them so i'm guessing and they're in jorg's way i it's just they're not given much depth um which is like kind of stymies my enjoyment of this book and i don't know it, it is it does seem a little bit indulgent i like the fact that the world is a little bit interesting um the world building i think we'll be talking about this a little bit more often but um for first book it's all right for the world building because it does give some glimpses into the world but the fact is telling it from the first person perspective doesn't give you much chance to really develop the world um, it gives hints into the history, and I like where the history um, actually goes. Um, I, it's not like leaving me wanting more. It's like oh, leaving me like. Oh. The, I, yeah, I just wanted to ask ask a question about like the I guess the kind of tactics that he uses to world build. So my I, I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, my author uses some like very particularly he uses some very interesting um, strategies to to world build for instance he'll use interludes to kind of like go back in time or like talk about other characters or like even give a description of an area or region he'll use interludes between like the chapters of like the main plot to do that um and so are there any particular strategies that you noticed that either i mean worked or or did not work as well as as the author might have thought they would I am smiling right now because I can't name anything that's super specific. They go to this one place that um, 
kind of a mild spoiler. I mean, it, it's kind of early on in the book, but this fantasy world is actually taking place in the future. Um, after like a nuclear war happens or implied like the day of a thousand suns or something. Um, because they, they make modern references to like Shakespeare, and that kind of threw me off. I'm like, why are they talking about Shakespeare? And um, something called the Builders with a capital B. So there, there's something there that like just you can't really pinpoint what happened, but there's some breadcrumbs, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like it's kind of the bad kind of breadcrumbs because you can't really piece it all together, uh, and that kind of in that kind of way, it's just like it's there, but it's not developed upon. Um, and um, they they do go to this one place that gives a little bit of history. Uh, they they see like a, a computer, which I that threw me off because I thought this was a medieval fantasy, which was kind of neat, but it's not. It, it's it's more of a mystery box, I would say, rather than it being something that is really substantial as a world building tactic. Yours mm-hmm. sounds so much better when when you start talking. About, I'm like, oh, should have done that. Should have done that. <laughs> um, well. I mean, it's interesting in in the lives of Locke Lamora because he kind of like he set this first book in this series or saga or whatever you want to call it um, in one city. Um, And so, you know, he's in the plot. He's telling you about the different parts of the city that they travel to. He's talking about like the ways that they get around. It's kind of like almost like a Venetian style city, but like obviously dark and kind of dingy. Um, Okay. uh, And then you know between um, when I when I when I get to talking about my book, I'll I'll go more into it. But like part of the main plot is that the main character Locke Lamora, with his gang, is trying to pull off this big um uh what do you what would you call it like a kind kind of a heist more of a scam it's more of a scam to be honest on one of the rich people in the city um and so the way that he's doing it is he's pretending to be a um one of the workers for one of the like rich families up in this um city that grows uh some of the most famous uh al- it's like a kind of alcohol i think it's kind of brandy maybe i'm not really sure actually, i was kind of unclear on what, in real life what kind of alcohol um so i mean if it seemed like they were kind of based on the germanic peoples so i'm guessing yes. it's supposed to be kind of like a like a riesling or like some kind of wine like that um but uh, because they talked about like the language being really rough, and they also mm. talked about like the the person they learned it from was like a sailor who you know, and they talked about how the people in his region thought that their language was like not necessarily barbaric, but they kind of like looked down on the like northern language. Interesting. Which which leads me to like. Th- what I had in my mind was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, Scandinavians and the Germanic peoples and whatever. Hmm. But um, mine was not like that. But <laughs> yeah, so 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 the part of the main plot is that he's pretending to be this person from a completely different region that we never see in the book because we're all focused on this city. And then in the interludes between the main chapters, he's um, 
the guy who trained uh, the gang, the gentleman bastards that that Locke is in, uh, he's sending them to different um, locations to like train with these priests and see what their way of life is like. So if you ever have to pretend to be one of those priests for like some kind of trick or or, or theft or something, then you know you know what their customs are like. Mm. Um, and he's sending them to you know this city. He he takes Locke out to um, kind of the farming regions and he's like, Locke, you're going to pretend to be a farmer in case like, you know, you there's a future plan where you have to like do pretend to be a farmer, like a person from out in the rural areas. And then he, he even fills him in a little bit on his name's Chains um, because he is pretending to be a um, priest of Paralandro. How did you? How did you? How is it spelled? Um, uh, he's pretending to be a priest of of one of the like gods, uh, and he is chained. He's supposed to be chained to, um, the, uh, church or whatever, whatever you want to call it, the temple. And in reality, he is a priest of the thirteenth god. There's only supposed to be twelve. Most people only know that there are twelve. Because the twelve gods have cast the thirteenth out, um, because he is a thief. He's the the god of thieves, um, but they still um, kind of have a soft spot for him. So they let the the followers of the thirteenth god kind of do what they will, like what how what they please. They don't like get mad at them for impersonating their own priests or whatever. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, like I keep. The world building in this is really good, is is kind of the point I'm getting at. Like, I feel like I was making a completely different point when I started talking, and I just, like, yeah. continuously, like, unraveled some different parts of the world building. Uh, like, oh, yeah, Father Chains, he took Lockout into the into the um, rural areas during one of the interludes and, and told him about his backstory, where he was, like, kind of a... He was, like, kind of a soldier police type guy um i believe he was a it's the yellow jackets in the city and he was a black jacket um but yeah uh really interesting stuff i'm gonna let you finish up what you were yeah. talking about with yours and then i'll i'll, I'll get a little talk a little bit more about the plot and the world building but yeah that's that's what i was really curious yeah. about what what your if if he had any yeah world building uh strategies that were interesting so take the opposite of what you said and that's exactly <laughs> what he did it's just like it's just brief illusions um there's not anything analogous to whatever um you were talking about it's just like analogous to any country that there's no there's kind of a brief reference to like necromancers and some magic which i again it's not usually the focus whatever that's fine um so i'm guessing it's just like it's most apocalyptic fiction which is fine but like it's not enough and it's not enough for me to go like yeah that was that was some great world building and if your world building isn't sufficient and your characters aren't interesting and the only person you've got is your protagonist who even though he's a terrible human being he's very determined to do and it's not about you sympathizing with the character it's about you empathizing with him and you wanted to not necessarily want you to root for him but like finding the fact that he's trying his hardest and actually 
you know, overcoming the obstacles that are set against him. That's what makes you root for a character, no matter. I mean, if, if you want your character to be a terrible person, you kind of want them to be very confident at it. And which sure he is, he is um, just just not very likable because we get inside his thoughts too often. And he goes like, yeah, I see that person. I want to bash their brains in. And I'm like, OK, he's just a very edgy teenager. And I don't know. It doesn't make for an entertaining read. So, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to wrap this up. I mean, I feel like I tore this book a new one, um, but it's like it's well written. But it's not a well-written story is how mm. I like to say it. Um, probably won't it's, be continuing. I've heard the second book is better and he gets better as, as a character, but like, don't I care? <laughs> not really. Yeah. Do you care enough to buy that second book and put the time into reading it is the question like after not liking the first book that much? No. Yeah. No, that's the answer. Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't blame you. There are a million things to read. If they if this is a series and they can't hook you in the whole first book, who cares? <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, I don't have anything to say besides that. I mean, I've heard the first law is very similar to it. And I actually do own a physical copy of that book. I just made it 400 pages and then got really busy with school. Now I'm going to start all over. I was really going to read it for this podcast, but school got in the way again. Hooray. But I will definitely read it. I, I'm interested in the genre a little bit more, but I, I can tell that this probably wasn't the best book to start with, especially for mm. the faint of heart, maybe like me. Well, for The Lies of Locke Lamora, I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, I saw one of the blurbs on the book talked about it being like a swashbuckling adventure, and I was part of the way into the book at that point, and I was like, yeah, I guess... But like, whenever you think like swashbuckling, I'm always like pirates. Pirates, yeah. But there's no, there's no pirates. At least not in this, not in this one. Uh, maybe in this world, but but I not in this book really. Um, but by by the end of it, I, I do kind of, I kind of get it. Um, if if that they were referring to this book and not the whole series in general, um, I do kind of get it. I, I it does feel like the kind of direction. Um, and so the plot of this book follows a one Locke Lamora, who from a very young age, uh, he loses both of his parents to a plague that only is like lethal to um, people older than a certain age. Like if you're really young, your body is able to fight it off. Um, and so this whole section of the city, um, all these parents are, you know, dead. So there's a bunch of orphans. And this guy called the Thief Maker, he pays uh, city officials to let him go in there first, and he starts collecting kids, and he turns them into thieves, basically. Um, and Locke Lamora is much too... Um, Locke Lamora is much too... Um, hmm... He's very troublesome because he's very he he tries to steal kind of above his station. Um, he's very smart. He kind of knows his way around. He comes up with a plan like, you know, he's just walking around and he'll like see something and he'll have this like huge plan. He gets very good at working with the gang. Um, 
and the thief maker has to sell him off because of so a couple things that he does that go too far. And what Locke comes to find out is the reason that they go too far is because they they break the secret piece, uh, which is this kind of like there is like a a du jour ruler of the era of the area of the city called a cop a kappa, mm-hmm. um, who you know he kind of gives the uh, all of the. Uh, thieves in the city because the this, this thievery runs rampant in Kamor, which is the city. Um, and in return, they pay him tribute. They pay him a percentage of everything they steal. Um, and so it's kind of this give and take. And so he comes to find out after he's been sold to Father Chains, who I mentioned, that that's Basically why I also not to spoil the whole introduction. There's something he does that really the thief maker is like, I really have to get rid of him now, but you know, I don't want to like, I'm not going to, I'll just, it's a surprise for people who decide to read it. Um, but, uh, that's what happens in the introduction basically. And then there's a time jump and we've jumped to, um, you know, uh, Locke and his kind of his siblings, the people who he was trained with, his gang are all like grown up. I think they're adults or near adults. I believe they're adults, actually. They're okay. no, they're for sure adults because there's a there's okay. a specific scene. It would be weird to have that scene with a kid okay. in a book. So they're adults for sure. They're of age. I'm pr- I'm like okay. nine. I'm like ninety nine point nine nine percent sure now that well, I remember. They could have pulled Stephen King and it. Yeah, I, I guess. But, but <laughs> they did um, not do that. Yeah, I do, I do not think that he did that. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're pulling these tricks. They they've got some some. They've got a plan going on. They're in the middle of it. They're kind of getting ready to to pull it on uh on one of the rich people uh i believe it's don salvara um and he you know i talked about it Locke pretends to be his name is like lucas fair right fair white he pretends to be a worker or like an underling of one of the families from up north who kind of ship out all that all those alcohol products that Go apparently they go down really easily, but that you also don't feel the effect of the hangover because of something that they do to the soil. It's like a secret. Um, I could have used that last night because it was my, <laughs> I was celebrating my birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he pretends to be Lucas Fairwhite, and uh, he starts stealing money from this guy. And I'm I'm just I'm pretty much just gonna do the first chapter i think that's like um, the first chapter yeah we're, oh, we're still in the first chapter prologue okay. in the first chapter um, yeah um and there's a chapter where it goes like there there this book has so many like twists and turns and oh, like man. interlocking like plot lines and so um they're pulling this scam on on um the rich guy and, you know, as Lucas Locke talks to him for like a whole night and he talks, he convinces him like, oh, there's a war coming to our city, like a bunch of civil war. And so what we want to do is we want to get all of our alcohol out of the city 
and you know, but we don't have the funds to do that right now, and it's got to be secret, and the boats have to come from here. Like, we can't get boats from there. It would be too obvious. We don't want people to know we're moving that stuff out. And so he convinces um, Don Salvara to give him, I think it's like something like 25,000 uh, money cra- crowns. I don't remember what they're called. Um, over the course of like, you know, a week or a couple weeks or whatever. Um, so that way he can get everything ready. And then there's in the next chapter, there's like, it cuts to just Don Salvara and he's going up to like his chambers and in his chambers are, um, uh, two people who are like supposed to be agents of the spider, which is like this very secretive, uh, like police force that, People aren't even sure if it exists or not. Uh, they're called Midnighters, and uh, they're they're like hunting down the biggest thieves and criminals. And they tell him like, "Oh, this Lucas Fairwright, he's not real. He doesn't exist. He, you know, his his bank account was made like a few weeks ago, um, and he had nothing in it until he he put your check, your money order, or whatever in." Um, this is not a real person. He, somebody is scamming you. And we think it's the thorn of Kamor who's scamming all the rich people in Kamor. Um, and a few parts later, it cuts to Locke and his crew and they're like doing makeup and getting ready to be the midnighters and bust into this guy's house tell him exactly what scam they're pulling okay. so that way he'll keep handing them money because he thinks the like government has his back and is going to like pay him back for all the money he's giving them so that way ev- there's no way he would get like wise on them because he knows what they're doing he just thinks that somebody else is going to repay him for the money that he's giving them um so there's I like that okay yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And then there's like there's a huge plot line with the with the Kappa and this guy called the Grey King who's like been killing a lot of the thieves in Kamor recently. And it it basically everything comes to a head. His his um the scam against the Don Salvara, the situation with the Grey King that he find that Locke finds himself in, the situation with uh kappa barsavi um and he's really close with the kappa's daughter and that that kind of all of it comes to a head and all of it gets like really tangled together and uh yeah just really good stuff really interesting and i already talked about how good the world building was um i think that parts of this book work extremely well because the character work also is so good um (laughs) i think (laughs) i think the the yeah yeah i think the antagonists they're not i don't think any of them are like incredible i think the great king and uh the people some of the people who are working for the great king are interesting probably the most interesting of all the antagonists but what really gets you hooked is the um the protagonist uh Locke Lamora and his gang of like five or six gentlemen bastards are they're all interesting they're all very different 
um, you spend a lot of moments with them together and you get a real sense of like the camaraderie that they feel the like brotherly love that they have for one another. Um, and so, you know, as the plot's going on and they're all working together and getting really mixed into everything and things start to go wrong, you really feel for this whole group because you can, you know, that they're pretty much a family. They're the only, they're all orphans. So they're the only family some of them have ever known some of them knew their parents before but but some of them have never had any other family besides this uh and you okay. really get that get that sense uh throughout the book so it's uh very good um i've heard good things about the lies of Locke lamore in the past i will probably continue reading um even though the situation at the end of the book is very different from the situation at the beginning which i guess is kind of what you want um is it like so, a time skip or is it just like no it's just like you know all these plot threads come to a head and and you know the situation in Kamor is and it with the gentleman bastards themselves is just so different from the situation they were in at the beginning of the book um that i think the second book i don't know i definitely want to read it at some point i'm mm -hmm. going to keep reading this because this was just so well done i don't see why i wouldn't um but yeah, it's it's uh it's just it's it's gonna be different is is all I was saying. Um it's, but yeah, I'm I'm looking at the released books. There's only three out of the planned seven books. Yeah. So this is a very sprawling series, I guess. I think four might be released actually. Um Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's planning on writing a bunch of them. Yeah. I think where I screwed myself over was the fact that... I tried, okay, so I was crunched for time, so I kind of picked the shortest book. And this book, my book. I, I'm talking about my book now. Um, I'm very interested in your book, though, because it sounds awesome. It sounds like, ooh. Um, sounds like... Um, I Something I can live vicariously through. Like, you know, the edgy anti-hero, but, you know, I kind of respect them in a way yeah uh, and and he's got like a you know he has like a set of morals like he's not he is edgy like it's it's kind of inherent okay. some edginess i feel like is probably kind of inherent to to grimdark but he has a set of morals and he's got this like you know he's got people that he really cares about um uh and you can you can actually root for him he's not like this terrible person Wow, he doesn't uh, fantasize about bashing in the skulls of his own men for saying something wrong because no. he does. This guy does it in the first, second chapter. It's just <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he he, Locke Lamora does not do that. Yeah, it uh, points right there. I mean, I, we don't give number scores out usually here. You can check our Goodreads for that, but um, it's just I don't know what to rate this. It's like it's for my book it's just like it's well written but like it's so so not for me the fact that like it's almost insulting but i i don't want to say insulting because you know there, there's an audience for everyone it's just it's just kind of ew disgusting i mean i don't know maybe maybe you would like it more because you, you could stomach blood meridian more than i could mm -hmm. maybe but i don't know your your book sounds more like i would get more out of it here is just i felt ew, icky icky it's probably the best word uh, and that's probably 
underselling how I felt after reading it. Your description alone got me like, oh, oh man, that that moment sounds awesome. Flashbacks and all that. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely, it definitely, it took. It didn't take. Once it hooks you, it it really hooks you. Um, I wasn't really sure because I didn't really know anything about the book. I wasn't really sure what I was getting into in the prologue. Mm. But once I probably like three quarters of the way through the prologue, I was like, okay, this is going to be a pretty good book. And you had like 700 pages left, right? And then like, oh, it's only 500 pages. It's only 500 pages. Yeah, it's like 499 or something. Around there, I I seven hundred. Yeah, I think it was seven hundred. Um, yeah. Well, my book was not even four hundred pages, and it felt very, very long. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't want. To, I don't want to keep on ripping on books. That's beneath me. And my New Year's resolution is to probably not be that guy that kind of rips into books and is a negative Nancy. Um, but it sounds like. A heavy recommend for the Lies of Locke Lamora and possibly the Gentleman Bastard sequence in general. I, you know, I haven't read more, but I, I definitely plan to after the Lies of Locke Lamora. And it sounds like a heavy not recommend for from <laughs> for my you. perspective. I think I described book. the book well. I think mm-hmm. I described it well and what you would want to get into. But like with all these caveats, like, all right, you have to be very the specific kind of person that likes this and this and not disgusted by this. It's too many don't read if you're disgust if you're like sensitive to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And or you're just you don't like your protag your your protagonist to be so villainous. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever read or watched a movie with the protagonist being so repulsive and disgusting that you just like you couldn't wait for it to end? Right, right here, just reading it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I think usually, even like protagonists that are bad usually have redeeming qualities. In yeah. you, usually, <laughs> Clear, clearly, not always. Yeah, I don't know. And okay, and here's the thing: um, they, they do try to give him a tragic backstory. I know I'm kind of retreading on the old ground, but like, yeah, that's another story that trope. Uh, cliche that i don't like where you kind of try to justify a villain because he had a bad childhood or something bad happened to him and like i guess it makes it more sympathetic but it is not excused as actions i'll I think just say the, that in I proportion think especially that the concern with that trope is just that like especially in an age where like D is so popular it's mm-hmm. like done to death because it's it you know it's pretty easy to make like a you know a slightly more you know when you first when you first have like start D anD D the reason why so many people make like edgy characters and like their first you know one of their first couple characters is something like kind of edgy is because it's it's kind of easy you know it's yeah. it's kind of easy to make. A complex character because they're like edgy they have like a tragic backstory and and because of this mm. they like don't feel for people as much as they normally would it's you know not not to say it can't be done well but and i feel like it has never been done well either right like i feel execution. like it's a tough line to walk because it's been done so many times and it clearly can be done really poorly um yeah yeah, so I don't know. Um, read it if you want, and read it if you're like, oh man, Justin's just someone that, you know, 
it's just doesn't doesn't like bad people then go ahead go ahead go go read it read it to spite me i dare you <laughs> or if you don't want to spite justin and you just want to read a good book i would recommend not doing that and reading probably the lies of Locke lamora <sighs> but yeah uh on that note i think it's a good time to end um thank you for joining us please give us a like rating subscribe follow whatever it is on whatever platform we truly do appreciate it um you can find us on twitter and on now on uh tiktok at not just any pod uh we have accounts on both of those yeah um youtube we're trying to get this working but youtube YouTube as well yes yes we're we're trying to get get on there um we'll know by the time this is uploaded yeah by the time this is uploaded it, we we should be on there um and then uh what next month true uh next month we are going to be doing artists in exile so obviously for the book club episode it'll be authors and then for bookends we we are doing a director andre tarkovsky was exiled uh personal like he he exiled himself to escape censorship from the Soviet Union, um, and he's one of our episodes. It, it is it is an episode um, of bookends in which we talked about nostalgia uh, from nineteen eighty two. Not the yeah. times watching it really. Yep, the time um, after the time before. It <laughs> it is an episode of bookends. Would I recommend it as your first episode of Bookends? Probably not, but... It's also um, a perfect anti-episode as well. It's part yeah. in and of itself. It's, it's, it's not bad. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you are interested in nostalgia... Um, the movie. The movie. Maybe... Actually, if you're interested in the movie, maybe don't check it out because I think... I don't think our analysis is deep enough for people who are already interested. I think we just talked about the ending in nostalgia we did talk in depth about the ending i guess yeah so. if you if you really want the true experience watch the beginning watch the first five minutes of nostalgia and then watch the ending of nostalgia and then you kind of you can you can listen that and that episode. that's pretty much what we talked about yeah that's true um if it's not clear we record those episodes in advance but we will also be doing authors in exile for the book club um oscar wilde for justin picture of dorian gray and then herman hesse or me, or Herman Hess, uh, Siddhartha by Herman Hess. So yeah, you can join us next month for that. And with that, if your name is Prometheus, goodbye. 2023 edition.